It starts with, you know, the group that is working with you to bring the event to life. Um, you know, the more you have a diverse slate of individuals working on the event, and even if they're not folks directly within the planning group, but if you're able to tap an employee resource group or, you know, get the support of other folks within your organization, um, that's going to make sure that the, that the diverse range of experiences are then fed into what the experience for the audience also is. We want everything to be perfect. We have all these big ideas, but there is a certain level of prioritization that that's needed, especially when things get crazy. Don't know if I would want that to some extent, but from an event planning perspective, imagine running an event and being able to tap into the emotions of each of your audience members and alter the event or the program or your speech based on how it's being received. And Denise Hibbard is a seasoned event professional with a passion for creating engaging experiences that connect people and ideas. As the head of events marketing at Zapier, she leads a team responsible for executing the company's events marketing strategy, inclusive of the annual virtual user conference, ZapConnect. Prior to joining Zapier, she successfully pivoted DJI's annual user conference to a virtual format in 2020. When she's not planning events, Denise enjoys exploring the outdoors and, and traveling to new destinations. Join us as we talk to Denise. Welcome to Eventus 365, the podcast that's all about corporate events and the magic behind the scenes. I'm your host, Yannick DaCosta, and I am excited to take you on a journey through the world of corporate events. But before we dive in, let's talk about the stress of creating marketing material for your events. We all know how tough it can be when deadlines are tight and resources are limited, but guess what? YKME Visual Communications has got your back. Our design firm specializes in working with corporate event professionals just like you, and we're here to help take the stress out of creating stunning graphics for your event. Our team of expert designers can deliver custom brand compliant designs in just 12 hours. So whether you need branding, signage, marketing materials, or anything else, YKMD's got you covered. Okay, now that that's done, let's start the show. All right, Denise, can you uh, tell me about your journey from becoming seasoned or from, wow, I love that for me, to become <laughs> like a seasoned event professional like and like how you kind of like got to where you are today? Because I feel like everybody has like a very interesting story. And once upon a time, I thought most event people had the same story, but more and more I'm discovering that it's not the same. No, I think that's a really great point. Um, for me, my journey did not start at event planning. Um, I went to school for aviation, so uh, quite a drastic difference. Okay. That, that was a thing. So I went to school for aviation, um, but I was so fortunate that at that time, um, I landed an internship um, working at Bosch, and part of what I was doing there was human resources, which included internal events. Uh, that went on for the duration of my college experience. I started to really realize that I loved like the marketing aspect, both internal and external, um, and eventually made the switch and realizing flying was going to be a, a hobby of mine, but I really had a passion for connecting humans. Still don't know that at that point, I knew that events specifically was my path. I had an interest in marketing uh, and worked a few jobs um, after college that all had some type of events element in it. But it wasn't until moving out to L.A. about 10 years ago that um, I really found my bread and butter in events. Um, I've worked across consumer packaged goods tech space and now here in SaaS. So I've kind of seen a little bit of everything from brand activations to B2B conferences and 
Uh, it was really, I think, uh, putting on my conference for the first time that I truly felt the magic in events where I had a hand in creating this whole multi-day experience for users and got to see the smiles on folks' faces they connected. Um, and that kind of brought me to where I am today, I guess, where now I, I oversee an events marketing department. I would say my first, it's my first job with events in the title permanently um, as, a side to, uh, as opposed to a marketing job, I guess you could say. <laughs> I, know. I, I think that's fair. So uh, exciting things, right? Um, <laughs> There is some similarities to like the general like events professional, right? Like in terms of like, they didn't go into events planning, like they wanted to be an event. So I see the cross section there, but but still where you're coming from is not, is not um, traditional, so to speak. Um, so I don't know about you, probably not, but the thought of moving a heavy piece of metal through the plane is stressful. It is stressful as me, as someone sitting in the back and having no control over the situation, much less moving it through the air. And, and so I feel like you probably manage stress really well just because of that. And that's just where I'm coming from. Um, so how do you manage stress and like balancing like life? while executing like super high pressure events. I feel like you probably have like all the tips for all the people. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny how you can look back on on things in the past of your, you know, your past and think that there's no correlation to what you're doing now. But um, I guess if there's one big thing I've taken away from my experience flying planes, it certainly is uh, knowing how to react um, at a moment's notice, how to um, handle high stress moments. And for me, it presents itself in a few ways. Uh, first and foremost, having a good system in place um, for your own being, for your own self, whether that's, you know, for me, project management, I use Notion is I could spend a whole like two hours talking about Notion. It's the bread and butter of my productivity. Um, and so having connected systems where they work for me as opposed to against me has been huge. Um, then I can focus on the real things at, at hand. Mindfulness, I'm a big proponent for mindfulness. Um, I had the pleasure of participating in a course called Positive Intelligence, which focused on taking small meditative breaks throughout the day that looks like five or six, you know, two to five minutes, 10 minute top um, breathing exercise, uh, regular meditation, whatever that is. And it kind of helps me stay center throughout the entire day. Um, another thing, though, for me is creating healthy boundaries. And I think we as events people know, you know, we could be working for 15 hours plus a day, or we might have periods. Yeah, it, it adds up quickly. <laughs> And so I think for me, it's been creating some type of balance, setting those boundaries up front, prioritizing my own health. Um, some things that I love to do is uh, I'm a big racquetball fan. I know that's kind of a dying sport, but it's it's one of my favorites. And scheduling a racquetball uh, game for 5 or 6 p.m. forces me to get off my computer and do something, something else that's good for my health. That's fair. Okay. It's huge. It's huge. And I think building habits, you know, whether you like working out or you're into yoga, um, making sure that you have moments like that for yourself during the day um, have been really important. And then also knowing when it's okay to say no. I'm um, in the middle of planning a wedding right now on top of, you know, planning events. So I've been joking that I'm planning events 24 seven right now. And there's been certain points where we have to decide, you know what, the, the juice is not worth the squeeze. We need to cut something out. You know, this just isn't possible anymore. Um, that's really hard as event planners to do because, you know, we want everything to be perfect. We have all these big ideas, but there is a certain level of prioritization that's needed, especially when things get crazy. 
Um, I would say my last thing too is having an accountability partner, whether that's your partner, somebody at work, um, somebody that you can just go to when you're feeling stressed or anxious, um, whether that's I'm looking for advice or I just want somebody to listen, having somebody there that can help like level your your mood when things are stressful has been so helpful for me in my life. I love that. Um, wait, so circling back, whose wedding are you planning? Yours? Mine. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Talk about, you know, how sometimes you're like, yeah, you just take the emotion out of decisions. How do you take the emotions out of decisions of your own event? You can't, you can't really, can you? You know, it's it's something that I don't know. I've cracked the code on. Um, I I have been trying to run my wedding the way I run the conferences that I uh, that I manage, and I feel like it, it's been 50-50, right? Sometimes uh, we we have a whole seven eight part email nurture that we're providing for our wedding attendees. This is a wedding, mind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's certain things that have gotten a little bit um a little bit tough, but I'm really fortunate that my partner has been my accountability partner in working with me to kind of level set when things are feeling stressful. No, we don't need to you know go and DIY a hundred million things. We can pick the five most important things, but. Yeah, taking emotions out when it is your own wedding, it's near impossible. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I get it. I, I, I feel like that by itself should probably be a superpower. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like maybe you have like a bunch of superpowers that the rest of us wish you had. Like, you can fly. You can <laughs> wedding. But like, what's 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 like a superpower that you wish you had that could kind of like help you plan events and why? That's such a good question because I think uh, the logical side of my brain wants to find a bunch of reasons why a superpower could turn wrong. <laughs> but um, I think two come up for me. The first one is being able to read emotions. I think uh, I don't don't know if I would want that to some extent, but from an event planning perspective, imagine running an event and being able to tap into the emotions of each of your audience members and alter the event or the program or your speech based on how it's being received. And to some extent, I think a lot of event planners are able to do that by, you know, reading faces, capturing, you know, motion throughout folks, um, you know, interactions, that kind of thing. Um, the other one, I'll add second one, just because I think uh, it would be really helpful seeing into the future. Imagine how easy risk management would be if you could see into the future. <laughs> I, I, I love that. Uh, okay, so two 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 random shares, um, random, not really random. So being able to read emotion, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like Liz Lathan or, um, gosh, which is really bad because for some reason that jumped out. <laughs> um, but I'll I'll email it to you later. Maybe I'll even drop a link around here somewhere. But there are people who have been on my pod who talk about like return on emotion and like the different kinds of uh, programming that they're doing and surveys that they've built and the kind of research that they've done to kind of get that information out to people so they can like adjust their events subsequently to, uh, to accommodate for that. Um, and That's I think awesome. um, Megan Henshaw from Google is also talking about something very similar. Um, so anyway, I'll send you all of them. Yeah, I would love to see that. So now I have to put like the link somewhere because I've been talking about it so much. Um, <laughs> but the seeing into the future one blew me away because honestly, I sometimes feel like I would love to be able to see into the future, but then it would literally control every decision that I made because I would try to control that, like the outcome, yeah. like the outcome. Outcome is not a word, um, <laughs> but the outcome, 
Right. So yeah, there's pros and cons, right? It's it's may, maybe like a filtered or selective seeing into the future. You know, like <laughs> I, I can adjust. Oh, uh, only only for <laughs> events happening on November seventeenth at two p.m. Uh, yep, between yeah. these hours. That is all I want to know. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm literally sitting here and I'm like, oh, like if I knew my brother was gonna die, I would do this. And that's literally the first thing that came to my mind. Why am I being so morbid? I have no idea, but that's literally the first thing that came to my mind. Um, his anniversary is coming up, so clearly I'm, I'm there a little bit. Um, it, it's fine that those moments will happen for me every now and again, and I kind of like just adjust. But the seeing into the future, that one, that one threw me. That one took me off into some weird course. Um, but bringing it back in, bringing it back in. Um, can you talk about some of the most innovative? event formats that you've seen recently and um why you why you think that they're successful yeah so I have been extremely interested in the unconference format for a while but I had yet to actually experience it myself until just this last week um and I think what excites me about it is you know we've we've gone through this this whole we're still going through the pandemic covid uh you know hi, virtual only hybrids here all of that kind of stuff but I think the reality or at least what I hope to see from events is we're trying to reimagine what they should look like um after having been through all of that I feel like it needs to come back to connection and that's not a new word it's not a new concept but I think it's something that a lot of event planners kind of forget about when you're busy planning a whole program when you're busy trying to set you know your your staging and all of that and so the unconference format is interesting to me because it focuses more on letting the audience drive what you want to discuss or what you want to gain out of that experience it's extremely unprogrammed um and for those who are not familiar with unconference um it, it's not a new new concept um per se but not something i've i've personally been able to experience much um and essentially you bring a group together of like-minded folks um, our format, there was about 30 of us that came together and you get to um, talk about the types of topics that you're hoping to learn about or discuss or whatever that looks like. The, the audience votes on what topics will be covered. And then somebody within the audience or multiple people are assigned to different topics that they're going to either present on or guided discussion on, that kind of thing. So no longer are the days of showing up to a conference and saying, oh, there's just one or two sessions that I'm really excited about. You're literally driving the content of that. But it focuses so much on the human connection side of things too, because a lot of that is focused on discussion-based sessions. Um, there, there could be presentations, but at least how I experienced it was primarily open discussions. And so we were able to talk about the pressing things that we cared about. We learned about each other. And I left that event with, you know, 30 new folks that I consider um, contacts, friends, um, you know, people that I look up to within the industry. So I think it's a really cool way to offer the audience an, engage, an engaging conference as opposed to, you know, sticking people in a room just to listen to 10 hours of, of sessions. Yeah. Okay. No, I love that. I um. I know I, I'm kind of weird about like the on-conference versus conference. In my head, I feel like a conference is literally just people meeting up together to like gain knowledge about a similar thing and then decide how they want to connect about it later. So I'm 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 in this weird place. And maybe it's because I'm not an event planner. <laughs> maybe it's because I'm like I'm a designer and like function from this marketing place where I'm just like, ah, I feel like it's the same thing with different different schematics you know, like different ways of execution. Um, 
but I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> am, I, am I like totally going off the rails here? No, not at all. And I think I think it's important to recognize that, you know, certain folks are comfortable with different levels of engagement. This group came into um it came into this conference with the understanding that this is going to be hands-on. Everyone's a participant. Um I think for me what worked about it was the fact that everyone were everyone that showed up were, you know, senior leaders and events uh, in event planning and, uh, you know, from vendors and much of the sessions were discussions as opposed to presentations. So where you normally would be waiting until the coffee break to figure out if there's somebody that you can meet and chat with here, you know, I could easily scan the room, hear an intro from everybody and know these four people share some common, you know, challenges that I would love to connect with. And then we broke out into smaller groups to basically discuss those challenges. So I think um, if I didn't know it was an unconference format coming in, that might throw me off a little bit, but uh, because we were... Yeah, because we're prepared, a um, little bit different for sure. But, you know, everyone's got their own motivations for attending events and how they want to experience it. Even just in that group, there were certain folks that cared more about connections or folks that cared more about um, the educational aspects. So, um, yeah, there's such a broad range of reasons somebody might might attend and certainly a format for everybody. Yeah, I know. True. Um, switching it up a bit. AI is a thing right now. It's a massive thing. Everybody's talking about it. Some people think that, you know, AI is going to come and like take over the world and we're all going to like, you know, play <laughs> to robots. And then there are other people who are like, yes, this is the tool that I want to use to make my life easier, implement. And then there are other people who are just like, you know, we're humans are obsolete. I think I said that twice. <laughs> what, what's your take on, um, you know, AI and the role that it's going to play in events in the future? I'm personally very excited about it. I understand the fears that some folks have, um, but I think AI can be such a catalyst for folks getting to do the things that they actually want to do um, to cut down on some of some of the mundane uh, work. As far as the future of events is concerned, there's some ways we're already seeing AI being used, you know, uh, generating ideas, helping with copy, those types of things. Um, but what are, where I'm really excited is where um, it starts to get woven into event technology, into personalizing the event experience. I mean, imagine showing up to an event and having an app with a bot that you can interact with and you fed it your profile interests and you can say, hey, where should I be right now? What should I be doing? Who should I meet? Um, and we, I, we have that technology to some capacity. We have AI matchmaking. Um, you know, we can get personalized agendas already through some technology, but I think there's going to be even like a, a human aspect woven in even more to some of that. Um, and on the planner side, there's some things that I've already really enjoyed using it for summarizing um, qualitative data to pick out, you know, key sentiment. Fantastic. I mean, I used to have to read through hundreds and thousands of, of, you know, little boxes of data where here I can say, take the CSV file and let me know what the general sentiment was. What are the top five, you know, things that folks are talking about? Imagine if that's built into the tech and the tech can analyze chat to say like, were folks generally excited from this this session or or was the sentiment maybe quieter? Um, and then I guess in the future too, you know, how it can support event planners and moving more quickly, whether that's, you know, speeding up the RFP process. I want to get to the point where I can just talk to the vendor and already have an idea coming in of where the fit might be, what we might be able to do together. If I could use an AI generated, you know, list of proposed venues that already matches what we're looking for in our past events to availability, um, that would speed up my process so much too. And again, not that these are things that don't already to some extent exist, but I think weaving AI in is going to 
make it sometimes better. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, circling back a little bit, you were talking about, um, you know, the qualitative data and like utilizing AI technology to kind of help make that a bit um, more digestible and kind of help you move through that in a bit more, um, I don't want to say efficient, but like timely manner. Um, because it might not necessarily be inefficient to have you do it, but it's just time consuming. Yeah. Um, what are some of like the most important data points that you feel like event marketers should be tracking um, in order to to do that kind of analysis, whether it's with a you know a, a AI technology or manually? Yeah, there's so many. I feel I get so excited about data. So I could go on for hours here. But I think, um, you know, some big ones, of course, coming in are, you know, your attendance number, your number of returning attendees year over year. Um, you have NPS score, which I think can tell a lot about, um, you know, the event and how it was received, you know, looking at who your who your promoters are. And if you have detractors, how that impacts the ability of, you know, uh, you to get more registrants year over year. But for me, I also, because, you know, my bread and butter has been virtual events for the past few years, um, I really enjoy the analytics that we're able to get out of sessions. It can tell you so much about what's resonating when it comes to session ratings, when it comes to engagement. Like, do you have a lot of people dropping off at the halfway mark? Okay, maybe the content's not working for you. Um, also then looking at things um, like engagement, uh, were how many connections were made? Were there a lot of messages? Did one session in particular garner a lot of chat, um, chatter, which perhaps could tell you the session was more engaging and folks were connecting with each other. And then of course, you know, there's the implications for your company. Is there a trend of people talking about certain topics that might give you a signal into what your users want out of you, um, or out of the product or out of partners? Um, also looking then at registration, you know, where are your, where's your registration coming from? What are the sources? Um, is there an opportunity to be seen in something that maybe was lagging year over year versus something that's just blowing it out of the park? Okay, that's an area you might want to double down on or understand a little bit further. And then I think lastly, of course, there's there's all the impact data. So depending on your goals from the event, you know, what's the the cost to revenue ratio? How many SQLs are you generating through it? Um, you know, are folks signing up for your product? You know, whatever that looks like based on the type of event you're doing. But ultimately, you know, that that's a huge indicator if it's if it's working for your business. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I feel like there is no way that nobody heard something that they shouldn't let me writing down. Um, <laughs> although. So I'm really weird about like acronyms, right? Like, so I know that MPS is like net promoter score, but I'm trying to think if there were any other acronyms that probably I should ask you to expand on. I think that was the only one and great call out. I think that was the only one I mentioned. Maybe. Uh, oh, SQL. So I was about to say, I was about to say, I think there was one. Yep. More. <laughs> okay. There we go. Sales qualified leads. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Boom. Got it. Um, write it down, put it in your notebook, folks. Um, all right, cool. So with all of that data, right, sometimes people collect information on the attendee themselves, um, like their background, cultural background, disabilities, um, you know, income, whatever. There's a range depending on what kind of event there is. Uh, what What advice would you have for like an event planner or a marketer who wants to make their event more diverse and like equitable and inclusive, like how do you feel like they could 
maybe even implement that data in, 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 in trying to promote that kind of expansion in their event? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, it starts with, you know, the group that is working with you to bring the event to life. Um, you know, the more you have a diverse slate of individuals working on the event, and even if they're not folks directly within the planning group, but if you're able to tap an employee resource group or, you know, get the support of other folks within your organization, um, that's going to make sure that the that the diverse range of experiences are then fed into what the experience for the audience also is. Um, as far as capturing data, I mean, the more you can understand, you know, obviously within privacy constraints, um, what type of folks, uh, what needs folks might have, it ensures that you have, you know, translation, captioning, um, if it's an in-person event, like a, a quiet space and understanding like what your neurodivergent attendees might need from a quiet space. Um, same thing with, um, we we did a virtual event last year that was, uh, we had a whole block of networking. And I think we were talking about this earlier, even certain folks are very comfortable getting one-on-one -on -one with somebody and immediately starting conversation. Other folks might not prefer that format. So we offered a range of different formats based on, you know, your comfort in, in speaking out in environments. So small groups, one-to-one, chat-based, you know, strictly Q&A. Um, so having a bunch of different formats for folks up front um, can be huge. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, menu planning, stuff like that. I'm um, a great, a great thing that I heard recently. I'm, you know, I haven't had the luxury of planning an in-person event for a few years, but um, I loved that this one organizer sent uh, a list of the, like the menu out ahead of time with all of the ingredients to the folks that have listed some type of allergy. And I thought that was just such a great way to make sure that folks felt like their, their allergens were being heard, that they were supportive. Um, yeah. There's so yeah. much, there's so much we can still do. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think those were really good. Um, I'm bringing up past guests again. So, um, Meg, Megan Henschel, um, she taught me this term called a mantle, um, which is apparently like where you have like a panel of, uh, guest speakers who are just all white men, um, probably about the same age, mid-range or something like that. Um, how do you adjust for those kinds of things in your programming? I mean, I know you were talking about like loving like the 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 um the on conference format, but if you're in a room and everybody's coming from the same background, same same age range, same same cultural demographic, how does that really help to move the conversation forward? Not really much, in my opinion. So, what? How do you how do you work around that? How do you do that? Deal with that. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're fortunate that for a lot, we, we work with some great folks internally that partner with our customers, for example, they build these relationships up front, they're able to source folks for us. Um, and so that's, that's woven into our DNA that we want, we don't want to end up with a mantle, which I think is a great word. Um, uh, <laughs> And a lot of that, I think, has to start early. You know, you can't get to the month before the event and expect to be yeah. able to fill all of that. It takes relationship building up front. Um, it takes working across your entire group to find those connections, to find people. Um, another thing is internally, we work directly with our ERGs. Um, we we post within those Slack channels, um, look to source speakers from those places directly so that um, you know, sometimes giving, it, it's not enough just to post something and say, we would like to find speakers. You have to put the effort in to actually find them, to give them the opportunity to explain, uh, you know, what, 
what types of topics for us internally, it's, it's, uh, it's giving a range of topics and saying, Hey, I know that there's at least five things out of here that this group of women, for example, could speak to, um, you know, so women's ERG, we would love to hear from you, um, who, who's looking for a speaking opportunity, but it does take rather than waiting for people to come to you. It also takes, um, doing the work to elevate the voices of those around you. I love that. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. And just like, you know, that level of perspective, I feel like that will kind of help someone else stop and say, oh, there is a resource internally that can kind of help me navigate this because it's hard, right? Um, I know, uh, um, weird, because um, I'm sorry. So I had like a whole conversation with myself in my head because I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm about to speak for like all like the, you know, the black women immigrants, but I'm really not. Um, but I know there is like a significant like disparity in us being able to see ourselves in places and feel comfortable. So I know I have always had to just show up and be my like most authentic self and understand that I deserve to be here, even if I don't see people here that look like me or sound like me or understand where I'm coming from. And so I, I love that someone else might now watch or listen depending on what format they're in and say to themselves oh we can also create a similar experience for someone who doesn't look like us to feel heard or seen or comfortable once they show up um so thank you for that I love that no I love that um switching gears real quick to the fun stuff what's like the craziest event idea you've ever had and didn't get a chance to execute <laughs> So I don't know if it, it's it's the craziest as much as it would have been a logistical nightmare. Um, and so I don't know. There's probably a lot of holes to poke in this. If anyone watches this and has ideas, please <laughs> let me know. Um, but during when we at my previous role, when we were kind of coming up out of the pandemic, which I know, you know, it's still there. But um, one of the things that we were trying to do was figure out how we could bring an in-person element back to a conference, but respect, you know, the size limit that, you know, at that time was conducive or, or I guess um, seen as better for um, the pandemic still, you know, weighing in on us. And so my idea, which I think it's maybe a piece of event tech that I need, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I wanted to host a virtual conference, but enable the community to host small meetups, gatherings, whatever that looks like on their own. So rather than dictating, hey, uh, you know, Los Angeles, where I'm based is the one place where this is. It's like, hey, Denise is going to this conference and would love to get some coffee with five other people. Let's uh, enable the community to list their events or where they're going to be at one time. And folks can sign up kind of like a Facebook event or something like that to say, hey, I'm, I want to come to this LA-based coffee chat or, hey, I'm in New York and I'd love to come. Uh, you know, somebody's gotten a a uh, space in their office and they're going to host us. So kind of like the meetup format, but around a single event. I have one. Okay, let's hear I it. I want to introduce you. So there are two things that happened because at first I was like stuck in like virtual. And so I was like, I was like, this feels like something that could be done on Airtable. And I was like, no, 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 wait, this is in person. And then I was like, okay, um, Kiana. So Kiana, um, she is the hope I don't get this wrong, but executive director of Design Corps, which is an organization up in uh, Detroit. And so they have this thing called uh, Design Detroit Month, um, where um, Detroit is actually, gosh, horrible. This is how you know I'm saying this off the top of my head, um, <laughs> was actually designated as a UNESCO city of design. And so they have an entire month of events surrounding this, and they allow different 
venues and people and contributors to have events that support the overall mission and goal of the actual event and it takes place for like a whole month so all of these things oh. and and maybe 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 that's worth an introduction for you maybe y'all can like chat about it and figure it out um yeah that sounds amazing now you see now it's recorded so now I mean I just now, want now it's gonna have to happen it. like introduced <laughs> by Yannick just so like, <laughs> that's it that's it um but no I I, I I think what you're talking about could actually really happen um but logistically, I'm sure it can be a nightmare. But she was done in a couple of years. So, you know, maybe there's something to learn from there. Um, For sure. I know it's possible. I know it's possible. I just, I think uh, the, the code to crack is the the functionality of allowing people the space to sign up their event, you know, without it becoming a hassle on our end. But I mean, micro events are, are still kind of a buzzy word in the industry. And I do think it allows smaller, you know, micro tribes to come together rather than just throwing 10,000 plus people in a room. And so I'm excited about that idea of more personal connection, but facilitating that at scale as a single, you know, team of four in our case is just not feasible yeah yeah no it's definitely need some technology in there for the assist yep (laughs) Um, all right so before I let you go my very last question can you name one event that you think every event professional whether they are a marketer or planner should attend at least once yeah, this this is actually this is a tougher one for me because I I actually have not been to a lot of the larger events for event professionals. So I might go on a limb in in saying um, South by Southwest, and I think the reason I say that is because of the creativity that goes into the brand activations there. I think if you're looking for a place to find creativity, to see new tech, to understand like what brands are doing, um, to really crack the code on a cool experience that that wins over an audience. I think that's a really neat place, not to mention, you know, the event is, is a, is an awesome event. There's a lot to do. Um, I will say, I'll put in a plug that I would love to go. And I think this is me manifesting this for my future, but I would love to go to IMAX. Um, I know that's kind of the big, I've never been. So I don't, I don't know what's happening today, but I have been saying this a couple of times. Um, I have never been to IMX either, and I'm going this year. And I'm making, it, I'm making it a mission to, at the very least, go to one, but I want to go to two. So I want to do um, Frankfurt, and I want to do Las Vegas. And Amazing. do you know, I, honestly, I feel like they should give me some kind of sponsorship for this. Um, but <laughs> did you know that they actually have a, um, a, a a section where you can actually apply to be hosted? Yes, yes. And for and you know, that's the thing. The 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 code to crack for me is it always falls with an event month for me. And I think this is uh, gonna be the first year where I don't have a conflicting event. Um it you know, all the events take place in like April, March, and then yeah. September, October. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this year, if I remember correctly, it's the end of September, early October. Uh no. So um Frankfurt is the last week in May. And then um, Las Vegas is the 17th through the 19th of October. Oh, okay. October. Perfect. Yeah. So that finally works for me. When you said early, I was thinking single digits. Oh, sorry. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll have to meet up there. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a thing. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for your time. Thanks for chatting with me. Um, And uh, thank you for being transparent about how you do things and why you do things to enable the next person to be able to emulate your greatness. Yeah, thank you for all that you do and for for allowing me the space to talk with you today. 
And that's a wrap for this episode of Aventus 365. We hope you enjoyed listening and learning something new today. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to help event professionals discover us. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and sign up for our newsletter for behind-the-scenes content and updates on upcoming events. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests or just want to say hello, you can reach us at info at eventus365.com. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Aventus 365.